Wesley is home today, getting over an illness, if you, ha- if you haven't heard. Um, Pastor Dan is away. And so on Thursday, the session got together, and I was busy all day, and I came home on Thursday evening and found out that I had been nominated to preach this morning. <laughs> so we're going to rely on God, as we always do, uh, to truly be the one who preaches the word to us this morning. And that's always a blessing. So I just have you turning your Bibles to our passage this morning is taken from Luke. This is a familiar passage to many of us. Luke 24, and I will be reading verses 13 through 35. And I would ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. This is the holy word of God. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And he said to them, And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. 
They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose at the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Pray with me. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So it was a Sunday morning, and two of Jesus' disciples were on the road to Emmaus, about a town about seven miles from Jerusalem. And I was thinking, well, if we picture where we are this morning here at the Forks, it's about seven miles to Downingtown, and it's about seven miles to Honeybrook. So that it gives you maybe a, an idea of how long a, a journey they were on, probably on foot, um, maybe had a donkey. We don't know. The story doesn't tell us. Um, and just as a quick aside, I remember many years ago reading a commentary on this passage as it talks about the two disciples that Quite possibly, one of these disciples could have been a woman. Uh, I won't go into all the details, and, and we don't know that for sure. We're not told that in here. But the fact that only one of the disciples is named by name, uh, it is a possibility that it's even a husband and wife. And I just say that for, for the women in the congregation. Maybe that draws you into the story a little bit more and say, okay, yeah, okay. Disciples don't have to be men. Uh, they can be women. So that's, that's a possibility. But as, as the two disciples set out on their journey, they didn't know that this was going to be the most significant day of their lives. They didn't understand that this was going to be the most significant day in the history of the world. Although they had followed him and been with Jesus through his ministry, this would be the day that they would truly see Jesus. So what do I mean by truly see Jesus? Although these two disciples would eventually identify this person who was walking alongside of them as Jesus, they would see him with their eyes. I'm using the term truly see in a spiritual sense, as in one whose heart is enlightened. So what does God want us to see in this passage? God has sent these two disciples on this road. They are on a journey to a town. But I would say that their journey, their destination of Emmaus, isn't all that ultimately important. 
In verse 3, after 33, after Jesus revealed himself to them, they are quickly on their way back to Jerusalem. They didn't spend any time in Emmaus at all. And something had happened in their hearts. If your Bibles are still open, and I would encourage you to, to look at these verses as I'm mentioning these things, uh, something happened in their hearts in verse 32 that they hadn't planned for. Their plans had changed, and God had a different plan. In a sense, we are all on this road to Emmaus. We make our plans for where we think we are going, but God has a plan. And on our journey as believers, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus walked alongside these disciples, Jesus will come alongside of us. He will ask us questions. Look at verse 17 and 19 of our passage. 17 says, And he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And then down in 19, he wants clarification. What are these things? He will listen to us. He's interested in hearing our thoughts and what we think about him. Verse 19, and they said to him, when he asked the question about what things, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, he will rebuke us. Look at verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. And he will teach us about how suffering is necessary and how suffering leads to glory. We see that in verse 26. Most importantly, he teaches us how he is revealed in Scripture. In verse 27, he says, In the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. This passage doesn't tell us specifically what passages of Scripture Jesus shared with the disciples to reveal himself to them. But I'm going to speculate a little bit and say maybe, just maybe, he took the words of Moses from Deuteronomy 18.15 where it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. Or maybe he quoted Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Certainly, you and I can see Jesus in this passage. And maybe he quoted Isaiah 53, 3, where the scripture states, He was despised and rejected by men. A man, of, a man of sorrows who knew great sadness. People, people turned away from him. He was hated, and we did not value him 
at all. We're going on to verse 7 where it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Or maybe he quoted Isaiah 53.10, It was the will of the Lord to crush him. On to verse 12, He poured out his soul to death. He bore the sin of many and prays for those who sin. Do we truly see Jesus? The two disciples on the road weren't necessarily looking for someone to save them from their sins. In verse 21 of our passage in Luke, it says, We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. The disciples' understanding of redemption would have been primarily a deliverance from the bondage of Roman rule. But Jesus, the Redeemer, delivers us from the bondage of sin. Like the disciples, we don't want to live under oppression. We want our freedom. We want our problems solved. But our greatest problem is sin. And our greatest and only solution is Jesus Christ himself. But we don't, if we're honest, really want our sinfulness solved so quickly. Because for Christ to redeem us, he must condemn our sin. Jesus sets us on a road of righteousness. We don't naturally choose that for ourselves. The two disciples were thinking that Jesus would redeem them from the Roman rule. Jesus Christ was redeeming them from sin. Again, they weren't looking for that. So the question for this morning for us is, what are we looking for? Do we want someone to give us what we naturally desire? Or do we truly want to be right with God? Do we truly want to see Jesus? Jesus walked with the two disciples and he walked them through the scriptures. Jesus' desire for them and for us is that we see him clearly and correctly. In and through the scripture, we find the true, the true revelation of Jesus Christ. Now today, we have the New Testament, in addition to the scripture that the two disciples had. This is not a new scripture that is a different scripture. It is instead more godly revelation to help open our spiritual eyes. From John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
All things were made through him. In him was life, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Do we truly see Jesus? 1 John 1, 8 through 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now later... In Luke, uh, in the passage that we read this morning, Jesus appears to the apostles, and he says this, these important words, Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So, we truly begin to see Jesus by understanding and believing what the Bible says about him. And we gain this understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your heart all that I have said to you. That's from John 14. When Jesus chooses to walk with us, he speaks to us. And we not only want to listen, but the desire of our heart is to continue to hear from him. Look at verses 28 and 29 of our passage, if you have your Bibles open. It says, they urged him, they urged Jesus strongly, saying, stay with us. So why did they urge him to stay? Verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked, while he opened to us the scriptures? You see, the truth about Christ found only in the scriptures is so satisfying, so fulfilling to our hearts that our hearts, that these hearts of true disciples want to understand more and more about him and about who he is. So why did the disciples finally see Jesus in verse 31 of our passage? I think the answer is in verse 30. It says that Jesus took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 11.24 where Jesus took the bread and said, This is my body broken for you. Now for a time... God kept those two disciples from seeing Jesus. That they might truly know that Jesus is not just someone they think he should be. Someone to satisfy their self-centered desires. Rather, God's desire for them is to truly see Jesus as he is revealed in the scriptures. He is the bread of life. And he has been broken 
for them. Today, we must see him that way, too. Jesus said in John 6:33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then in verse 35 of John 6, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus reveals that even as the scriptures teach about our abundant life, the deeper meaning of scripture is about Christ himself. In John 5, 39, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, meaning the scriptures, that bear witness about me. Matthew 11, thir- Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 13, 13 reveals a great obstacle to us truly seeing Jesus when, he's, when it says, seeing they do not see. The problem is that we are naturally blind. We are spiritually blind. The blindness is willful, rooted in what we prefer. Our natural desire is for darkness. We want to hide from our sin. But again, the solution is God himself, as revealed in the scriptures, who says, let light shine out of the darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, from 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Now the two disciples finally saw Jesus. Jesus showed himself to them in the breaking of the bread by opening up the scriptures to them and God shining light into their hearts. They now understood the supreme value of Jesus. So I have a few questions for us to ponder this morning. Do you see the supreme value of Jesus Christ? Do you see that the scriptures are where Jesus is truly revealed? If Jesus is your daily bread, are you eating every day? In other words, are you reading the scriptures each and every day, studying God's word? Does the daily breaking of bread remind you that the, of the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? What are the most important things in your life? Think about it. What do you highly value? Is Jesus Christ more important than anything that you have or that you wish to have? When you think about what is beautiful, do you think about Jesus as being the most beautiful? Are you convicted by your sin? Do you at least internally weep when you think about how Jesus suffered and died for you? 
please know that I am not just talking about an emotional response. I'm talking about the condition of your heart, of my heart. Are you living your life in humble obedience to Christ because your heart has been broken? As you weep over your sin, do you rejoice in your salvation? And finally, along with our rejoicing in the supreme value of Christ, what else does this scripture encourage us to do today? Again, if your Bibles are open, look at verse 33. It talks about how the disciples immediately, that same hour, they returned to Jerusalem. So why? Well, in verse 35, they told their personal story and they told the gospel. In that verse, I see two things going on. There are two things. Their personal stories and our personal stories are not necessarily the gospel. The first part of verse 35 is about what happened on their journey. That is your story in your, for your life. It is important that we share our personal stories, our personal testimonies, that like Christ, we would build relationships with one another. Now, the second part of verse 35 is centered on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. The gospel or the good news is what the scriptures reveal to us about the character and deeds of Jesus. There is no other gospel. And finally... It was the disciples' true excitement in the revelation they received that helped motivate them to share the good news. Look at the exclamation point at the end of verse 34. Now, Pastor Wesley might say, Glenn, you can't exegete scripture by looking at an exclamation point. (laughs) But it's there. It's there in the scripture. It elicits excitement. So, as God continues to open our hearts to the person and the work of Jesus, let's take the example of how Jesus worked in the lives of the two disciples. Let's share the gospel, and let's get excited about that, even as Presbyterians. Let's get excited about that. This Sunday morning, we are all on a road. We're all going somewhere. This may be the most significant day of our lives. We don't know what God has in store. But the question remains, do we see Jesus? Do we truly see Jesus? Pray with me. Father God, on this Reformation Sunday, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that our authority is the scripture alone. 
We thank you that for your grace, your grace alone that brings justification through faith and through Christ for your glory and your glory alone. We thank you that we stand on a firm foundation, that which is the gospel, which is Jesus Christ and his works alone. We thank you that you are a God who is just but is loving and works out all things through Christ to bring glory and honor to you. This day, Lord, may our hearts continue to be transformed by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God, for what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And we, may we be truly excited, Lord, that we have a good God who continues to work powerfully things in our hearts and minds that we might truly be about the praise of your glorious grace. And so we pray these things in the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.